Howdy, howdy. I'm Curtis Sunset, the host of Weathering Rainbows podcast. I want to welcome all of our new friends from Kentucky Anna Pride that we made this past weekend and all of our new friends that are coming over just to hear our guest of honor, Tate Hoskins, answer that pot of gold question as to when he is finally going to start that OnlyFans. In this episode, we're going to look, cover many things, including Pride, uh, announce many big announcements for the growth of Weathering Rainbows podcast, and the most important reason you came. I get to sit down with the Tate Hoskins. You know, that cute Kentucky kitty cat cowboy that everybody is lusting over right now to learn just how to become a TikTok star. So go over yonder and put your boots on. It's time for another trip down that rainbow trail. Well, yeehaw. I don't know about you all, but I am tired. Uh, my boots are about as muddy as they've ever been. And I've lost 10 pounds from sweating on a dance floor. Uh, frankly, my boot scooting boogie is just all tuckered out at this point, uh, which can only mean one thing. We have survived Kentucky Pride, Kentuckiana Pride. I can say without a doubt that bringing Tate Hoskins up from old London, Kentucky, was the perfect choice for our guest of honor this year. And seeing the smiles on all of your faces when you had the opportunity to meet this young man that brings so much joy and happiness to our community definitely made our pride that much better. We hope you enjoyed uh, my own surfing experience uh, atop that 10-foot-high stiletto hill float. Uh, among seeing Tate in that really tight-fitting uh, biker gear. Uh, and, of course, Tevin was dressed to the nines. Uh, we owe a huge shout-out this week to the Weathering Rainbow staff and all the others that agreed to walk alongside us in this parade. Um, a quick and special shout-out to Carolyn for coming in clutch with those steps that helped us get 10 feet up in the air. Uh, my personal assistant and great friend, Amy, uh, and my own mother for spending those late nights making the tall stilettos themselves and crafting that hands, the handouts that uh, we handed out at Pride itself. Uh, I also want to thank my friend Amber, who agreed to drive the trailer up and back from Owensboro. Uh, the good Lord knows we needed a strong, independent woman for that because uh, that was a 16-foot trailer, and there's no way that I was going to drive it across the state. Um, Thanks, my friends, Tori and Drew, for letting us use that trailer. Uh, in this Pride, we would not have been successful without all of these people coming together. Uh, so thank you. goes out to all of our staff and all the people that helped our staff make this a success. Uh, even as we are preparing for Pride, though, in the background, we had people helping with many other things uh, for Weathering Rainbows, including our brand new resource page uh, on our website, that we hope you will share with any LGBTQ plus individuals out there that might need this uh, resource list. 
Uh, it's going to continue to grow, but also be very functional, and we're not going to try to present too much info all at once like a lot of these resource lists do. Uh, thanks goes out to my content creator, Amanda, for helping make that happen before this pride even got kicked off. Uh, and, of course, a special shout-out to my friend Paige, uh, who pulled a boy, little boy uh, in a wagon all through that long parade route, uh, and he helped hand out some little handouts. And for those of you that don't know, that little boy was my godson. Um, and it's really nice to have that type of support from uh, my friends that have become family. Uh, he's absolutely precious, so I hope you get to see some of those pictures. Uh, we also want to send out a thank you to the Kentuckiana Pride Board and volunteers, performers, and all others that helped make such a great event happen. Uh, when many others unfortunately had to cancel this year, it was nice to see so many faces uh, after such a long time away from each other. Uh, finally, thanks goes out to you, our listeners, uh, many of whom said the kindest things to us uh, this past weekend and gave you your input on things you wanted to listen to from our show in the future. I listened to every word this weekend, and I took it all to heart. I'm still soaking a lot of it in, but I promise your suggestions will be shown in our upcoming show. You want, in you want an increased uh, comedy segments? Uh, you're going to get them. You want special guest co-host? You're going to get them. Uh, you want us to actually use our TikTok well, okay, fine. I will learn to dance. Uh, I cannot promise Magic Mike, but I might be able to pull off like Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, so please just bear with me on that. Uh, you can go follow at Weathering Rainbows on TikTok. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, speaking of dancing, if you stayed out late... Uh, on Saturday night at Play Night Club, I think you got to see a few cowboys uh, dancing shirtless out on that dance floor. Yeah, uh, y'all can thank me later for convincing Tate that he should join in on that fun. <laughs> now, I know how much all of you fellow tater skins like this boy. Uh, so before we hop into the interview, I have two final quick things to say. First, if you are a tater skin out there, please go show that same energy and love to our Insta, uh, at Weathering Rainbows. Uh, Tate's been commenting and, and snapping stories of it all weekend. He said multiple times this was one of the best weekends of his life. Uh, so you're not going to want to miss out on the future of this show. We're going to bring so many great guests on, and it's going to be amazing uh, in the next few months. Uh our Instagram is where we post all of our upcoming guests and announcements. And second is a good old Kentucky handshake deal. Are y'all ready for this deal? If somehow y'all tater skins help our Instagram get up to 15,000 by the end of 2021, then I'll be inviting Tate back as, a, as Weathering Rainbows Media expands into the film industry. Uh, it's going to happen in early 2022. And I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, I've done a lot of writing on scripts and various uh, films. And I'm going to make sure that if you help us reach that 15,000 mark, that he's going to play a role in a movie that you will not want to miss out on. 
So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and introduce our guest here today for those that don't know him, which is a rarity at this point in Kentucky. Uh, so following the longest year of all of our lives, uh, 2020, Tate Hoskins uh, was 22 at the time. He's now 23 from London, Kentucky, and he wanted to start that 2021 with a newfound energy. Uh, so he got on Amazon and with a $9 pair of cat ears and a $25 made outfit, he brought forth that new energy and it resonated with the entire country. In just a month's time, he gained 800,000 followers on TikTok. This boy's almost up to a million, so let's get him there. A Twitch partnership, a brand ambassadorship with Rock the South, and thousands of loyal fans who inspires who he inspires every single day. Uh, his infectious smile and comedic spirit were all the buzz on TikTok for several days, with many members of the TikTok community making commentary responses to that video. Some were good, some were not so good, but Tate always responded in a very courteous way, and I think that's what we like about him here in Kentucky. Uh, he has that Kentucky boy spirit. Uh, unlike many TikTok one-hit wonders, though, Tate has managed to keep his fans entertained and now connects with them on over six social media platforms. Uh, you can find all of those platforms on his link tree. Uh, his smile, his charm, his positive energy aren't the only things that keep his fans coming back for more, though. What makes him so special? Tate is one of the youngest influencers out there speaking openly about these hot-button issues and trends in present-day culture. As an openly gay man, Tate is a powerful spokesperson for LGBTQ plus rights and body positivity. He is also a strong ally to the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, he tells very vulnerable stories of his own life experiences, adds his own positive energy, and mixes it all together with just enough comedic inspiration to make him one of the latest heartthrobs of TikTok. Overall, Tate is a real role model for young people in today's world, and while he's enjoying the popularity, he is focused on using his platform to bring understanding to people's lives. As a country boy, he must have taken to heart the words sewn on pillows and painted on barn woods that, that hangs in almost every home in the South, live, laugh, love. If you haven't had a chance to see one of his videos or live streams on Twitch, definitely go check him out. Uh, he's hilarious. I've been following for quite some time. Uh, but fair warning, his cute demeanor will likely have you saying meow. <laughs> so without making him blush anymore, here is Mr. Tate Hoskins. Howdy, y'all. Today we have a very special guest with us. Uh, it's our guest of honor for the Kentuckiana Pride Parade. Uh, so hopefully some of you all are visiting us from the cards that we passed out that had little scan codes on them. Uh, we hope you listen to this interview first and then go back and listen to a lot of our other interviews that we've done over the course of this year. Uh, today we have Tate Hoskins. Uh, you may recognize him from uh, social media or his uh, great TikToks that he puts out. Um, so I'm going to let Tate actually introduce himself today. So let's hear it, Tate. Yes, sir. Howdy, guys. Uh, my name is Tate. I am a, a, a social media uh, influencer here in the South, uh, actually in Kentucky. Um, I started off on TikTok and have made a, quite a little, quite a little entrance 
And since then, I've gotten to do a lot of really fun things. Uh, one of the funnest being working with the Weathering Rainbows podcast. I'm super excited about that. So, mm. yeah. Are we your first podcast that you worked with? Yes, in really? fact, uh, very first <laughs> podcast. Yes, it is. I knew you had uh, done an interview a little while back with uh, William and the Magic Box. So I, yeah. I think that's the only other time I've seen you really do an interview like this. Uh, so obviously uh, you're on TikTok, but your fans probably don't actually know a lot about your life. Uh, we've all heard your coming out story on TikTok, but for those that haven't, that's always where we like to start. So give us a little bit about uh, how you came out and that process. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, looking back on it, it was a pretty traumatic experience for the most part. Um, I wish, you know, I could say that it was a, a delightful, accepting and welcoming moment in my life. It was not, uh, but that's okay. I learned a lot of really good things from it. Um, so whenever I was younger, uh, I dabbled in, uh, in, a, in quite a different persona, a different personality, a different person entirely. Uh, I was wearing makeup to school. I would kind of sneak and do it on the side. And um, I, I would wear like foundation because I had really bad acne and, uh, and I would always, you know, I'd always want to wear like the more like feminine, you know, articles of clothing, like, um, really fun and beautiful scarves and stuff like that. Um, and so my mom was kind of catching wind to this, uh, she was raised Southern Baptist, uh, Pentecostal, um, a little mixture of <laughs> a little yeah. mixture of a little this, a little that. But uh, Pentecostal was really her, her main, her, you know, her main upbringing. And when she started getting wind of it, you know, it, it was one of those things where I just had to dodge questions. And um, I went to school uh, in, in, I think it was around the eighth grade. And I, I told my counselor, you know, I was being bullied for these reasons and I didn't know who to go to or where to turn. And it was because I was, and I told her at the time I was bisexual. Um, we and, all do that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, I thought it might be a little easier. Um, so she, you know, I told her, Hey, like, you know, I'm telling you this just out of confidence. I just needed to talk to someone about this. You know, don't, please don't tell my mama. She will be up the wall about this. If you do, like it could not be really, it, it'd be really bad for me. And she was, of course, you know, I won't, you're fine. This is a safe space. You can tell me, well, I got home from school that day and my mama was in the kitchen and she was making spaghetti. I remember very vividly the, the scene of me walking into that kitchen and she was standing there and she was, she just, you know, my mama is a lot like me. Um, when she's happy and when she's, you know, when she feels good, you can tell she's, she's very jovial, very outgoing. And when she's upset, it's like visible, you know, it's, it's, it's immediate mood change. The whole room feels off. That's a Southern so mama thing right there. <laughs> it is. It really, it is. And so, uh, I walked in and, and there she was making spaghetti and she just looked heartbroken and she said, get your stuff and get in the car. I said, okay. And so I walked and got in the car. Uh, we ended up driving to our, um, our, our church, which is not a Pentecostal church. It was a Southern Baptist church. And the preacher was waiting on us. He was in his little office. It was weird. I've never been in the back office of a church. Like it was a, you know, little work area, I guess. And, uh, he sat me down and he basically just told me that, uh, it was an abomination. Uh, mind you, I was, probably, I want to say maybe 14 at the time, 14, yeah. 15 at most. And he said, tell me it was abomination and that, you know, it was against God's will and, and all this good stuff, the classics, you know, and, uh, and yeah. And so I remember leaving that, leaving that church and sitting in the passenger seat and telling my mom, like, 
I will never forgive you for this. I just remember I was like, I will never forget this and I will never forgive you for doing this. And, uh, and sure enough, I forgave her, you know, this, you know, a few years later, by then we were, we were really good. Uh, we had a really good relationship going on. So, um, she's accepted me now. And, and, and that was really the worst coming out experience. Everyone else just sort of like already kind of knew. And, and so I, you know, I didn't have to come out too many more times, but, uh, yeah, we're good now. She's, she's a big part of my life and a huge supporter and follows the social media stuff pretty well. So I'll, yeah. I love it. We've definitely seen her on TikTok. So we appreciate <laughs> that she's supporting you now and has, has come to terms with this. Um, I think most parents that uh, most parents eventually do develop some type of relationship uh, with their uh, gay child. Uh, but what point did it kind of switch over for her? Like, obviously, she was very concerned about your spiritual health, I guess, at that point in time. Uh, but what what changed over that course of time? Well, I think it, it's kind of a two-part answer. Um, I think the first thing that, that happened, and it was almost like a two-stage process. And the first thing that happened was I think she, she realized that the person that I was um, wasn't going to change. You know, she knew that. She knew I was too hard headed and, and I'm a Capricorn, so I'm very like grounded usually. <laughs> and, uh, and so she, she knew that I was, you know, I was set in my ways and I, I wasn't going to change. And, uh, and when she accepted that, the second part was actually, I sat her down and I made her watch, um, the movie, uh, prayers for Bobby. Have you seen that one? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I, I made her watch it and she, and I don't think she understood at the time the impact of what that movie, the, you know, the underlying message of the movie was, but I think over time it kind of set in on her that, you know, if I, if I wasn't able to be the person that I felt like I was, um, it could be significantly damaging if not, you know, lethal. And so she, uh, I think that those two things, you know, cumulatively over about, you know, two, three years really helped her settle into understanding and, and being happy for me that I was happy. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I, I grew up in a very Christian home myself. I, I was the only person that wasn't a Baptist minister. So, uh, so you can imagine I had a very similar, uh, coming out process. And I think a lot of times, like these people are so inundated with church and the way that they describe, you know, gays and stuff with the church. And if they'd actually do like some history and some research, they'd learn things like homosexual was never even mentioned in the Bible until not, they changed the words in 1940 uh, to promote that homophobia, um, the original, you know, original words meant sexual pervert or pedophile. It did not mean anything to do with same-sex attraction. Uh, so there's a lot of things like that with history, I think would be uh, really important for a lot of our uh, Christian viewers that are concerned uh, to go out, go out and do that research. Um, so Tate, obviously you, uh, I'm going to say you became famous this year. Uh, <laughs> You uh, have almost a million followers on uh, TikTok now. Um, I, I showed my niece and nephew. Uh, I was like, this is who we've got coming as a guest of honor this week. And they were like, oh, my God, he's so famous. And so, yeah, so you, you got them fangirling, too. Um, what was that like? What was that moment whenever you released this video that was a transition video? And then, boom, like overnight, just all this happens. 
Well, first of all, you got me blushing because, you know, people say that all the time and they're like, oh, you're famous now or, you, you know, you, you're famous on TikTok. And it's weird for me because I still feel like, you know, I, I got a long way to go. But I, I think it is kind of hitting me that, you know, there is this level of um, of recognition that I that I've um, kind of garnered from social media. And that's a unique experience in itself. Um, what I will say, I think if I could, if I could like summarize all of my thoughts and feelings and put it into one good solid answer, um, you know, before social media, like literally the, it within the same year, you know, time span, uh, I ended a very long relationship. Um, and in that relationship, I sort of uh, compacted and, and, and compressed the person that I was and that I felt like I was on the inside for the other person. And, uh, and as soon as that relationship ended and I got to come to social media and I like got to be the person that I wanted to be, um, I realized that people, people loved it. You know, my self-esteem was so low and my, you know, my confidence was so low. And then I got on social media and I just was the person that, that I am and people had a good time watching me or, 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 or enjoyed it or really liked it. And, uh, because of that, I think that's been like more than just getting recognized or getting noticed at a bar or something. That's been the biggest part of like the biggest bonus of social media is just knowing like I can be who I want to be myself yep. and people love it. You know, people, people love to see me be around me and talk to me and that kind of stuff is what really like fuels me to like keep going. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting topic that I want to hit on is, so you came out a, at a very young age. I mean, for me, I didn't come out till I was like 20 years old because of just, <laughs> very unpopular at that point, but, uh, you came out at around 14 years old and that's a huge amount of confidence, you know, like at that age. So with you coming out that early and then, uh, you got into this relationship that seemed to, uh, kind of pull you back in. Was it, was the relationship a sense of them wanting to make you seem straighter than you actually were or, uh, suppressing your feminine qualities or how was that? Uh, no, you know, I, I think um, the interesting part about it is like, you know, whenever I came out when I was, you know, early, early age, like 14, 13, 14, 15, um, I was, I was a very different person and not a person that, like I regret being, I was very feminine. Uh, you know, I, I went through a lot of stages and a lot of phases, um, tried out new things and I'm so glad and thankful that I did. Um, but as I got older, you know, there was this part of me that like started realizing that like, you know these things and these qualities, like I can really appreciate in other people. And I can, I can see other, you know, whether it be a YouTuber or a drag queen or, or this person, that person, and I can observe those and still not want to necessarily partake in that. And it was finding that delineation for me that sort of brought me out of what I was, you know, whenever I was younger, the relationship itself was a little bit more of a, um, it, it was a lot less to do with my, you know, personality, um, or like the things that I wore and did and a lot more to do with my person. I just felt like it was, uh, something where I was kind of, you know, locked in a cage metaphorically right. speaking and, and coming out of that was like literally flying out of a cage and just full force, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that's very, very common, especially for first relationships in a, in a Southern state, you know, you got to really yeah. get to know yourself both in and outside of a relationship. Uh, one thing I think that happens more in our area, because uh, our viewers know that I'm from Kentucky as well, I think we experience a lot more uh, 
discrimination even within the LGBTQ community uh, in regards to people dressing feminine. Um, I know in some of my relationships, like I had boyfriends that were like, don't dress feminine, don't support feminine qualities, don't wear makeup, you know, like, have you experienced that or gotten any backlash from gay people in this area? You know, um, I would say we're just within this particular area, not really. And I think that's probably um, a, a lot in part to do with the people that I kind of like socialize myself with and, and, and keep in my circle. Um, and the people that I try to surround myself with here, you know, are the type of folks who are who are like, you know, be who you are and, and do what you want to do. Um, and, and I think the only backlash I've ever really gotten is sort of through social media where, you know, there have been people who've been incredibly toxic and incredibly, um, you know, dehumanizing to the feminine side of the LGBT community. And I'm not afraid to call it out. You know, I'm not afraid to say like, hey, look, I may I consider myself a masculine gay guy sometimes, most of the time. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with me identifying that way, but letting other people be the people that they want to be, you know, whether that's feminine or masculine or both or neither, whatever the case is. Um, you know, I think that using my platform for that has kind of gotten me a little backlash, but I don't regret it. Cause at the end of the day, I feel like if I don't stand up for, you know, some folks, then maybe no one would. So, yeah. And I think we all appreciate you using your platform for that. And, uh, cause I think it's really hard to teach those good uh, Southern morals and values. And I think you're doing a good job on TikTok on that. So I noticed on some of your TikToks that you actually have had straight friends that have participated in those videos. Um, how important is it for you to have that supportive straight community uh, in, in this endeavor? Yeah, I think for myself, and, and this is my belief for every member of like any marginalized group, whether you're LGBT plus sized, whether you're a person of color, and, and you know, I'm speaking just from my experience is that I think it's important to surround yourself with people who may not understand you. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, whenever you take someone who is in an environment where they're totally isolated and they're, they're totally um, you know, it's an echo chamber for whatever their thoughts or values or morals are. And you sort of open, you know, open your arms up and you say, look, come here, come here, buddy. Come here, straight friend. Let me explain to you. Let me explain to you why, you know, me being gay, it, it, you know, causes this impact or why the things that you say causes this sort of dynamic or how you could be helpful or harmful. I think that having straight friends for me, um, is important because I feel like it is just an extenuation of, of the work that I try to do on, on the platform. It is like literally, you know, educating and, and, and making sure, but also, you know, there is a, there is a level of support that I get from, from my bros that, uh, that, you know, that they, they are very much so like, they will go to, to fall for you in a heartbeat. And that's the one thing I will say, I, just, I love some of my bros just for that reason. They just, they care so much and so passionately and, and it means the world to me. Yeah, that's that's something I always try to express to our listeners is, you know, even if you're in a Southern state, you're going to have a lot of straight friends that are incredibly supportive. Uh, the most of the people that work on this show and, and help out with, you know, even our float that's coming up, all those people were straight, you know, so, you know, we can get them to do a lot more than even LGBTQ people sometimes. So, um, you know, so you're going to have that supportive environment out there, even if you are from these Southern states and these rural areas. 
we had a listener uh, submit a question that they want to know the best and worst things um, that have happened to you on TikTok. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Um, you know what? Actually, this is the perfect time uh, that I, I'll, I'll talk about this. And I think this might be interesting for some of the listeners out there. Um, I would say I'm going to start off with the worst thing. Uh, and that is the uh, there is a, there is a very um, blatant sort of uh, miscommunication currently with uh, with creators and TikTok. Unfortunately, um, I just had a video get taken down yesterday and I got banned for about four days. Um, I can't go live, can't post nothing like that. And I'm seeing a lot of people in marginalized groups actually get targeted by um, whether it's the algorithm or, or whether it's um, just a, a group of people who are anonymously reporting. Um, and it is that is probably one of the hardest things to deal with is having videos that, you know, you try to go out of your way to make as uplifting and positive as possible, um, kind of get taken down for um, invalid reasons. And that mental health wise has been has taken a little bit of a toll on me. Um, but the, uh, the, the, the positive side is, uh, as I would say, that the best things come from it. The best thing that's come from the app um, for sure is the social networking uh, that I've came across. You know, my, my circle went from about this big to about this big, you know, in the span of just a few months. And, and some of these people literally are like basically family now. And I've met them through social media, through TikTok. And, and so expanding my circle of folks that, that I love and, and that love me has been the greatest gift that I think I could have ever asked for. It, it has been amazing. Yeah. You uh, recently got to compete in a competition for uh, TikTokers and uh, that raised money for the Trevor Project, which is a uh, nonprofit that we support here as well on this show. Uh, tell us a little bit about what happened. I know uh, you claimed victory, I believe. So, <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So uh, the event was uh, The Talkler. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Zoe, actually hosted it. Um, I met him through The Talkler and, uh, and from there just uh, just watching the work that, you know, that he put into it and and seeing the amount of, of money that we could raise for it. I think we ended up with a total of, if I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on this, I think around $125,000 for the uh -huh. for uh, the trip project, which was amazing. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, all I'm saying is I did beat Perez Hilton in the head to head challenge. <laughs> and I did, and I did take home the crown uh, as the talkler, the number one. And so that, that was a, a very unique and, and very fun experience. Um, but getting to meet those people and getting to like, um, the, the funnest part, I'll say this real quick. The funnest part was, um, you know, during the live event, there was like a, a chat function. So, um, everyone could kind of flood the chat with, you know, their support. And I know for a fact that I had so many people, so many of my little, my little family, um, you know, that support me there on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok that were in there just showing so much love. So little shout out for all of the folks who have like relentlessly supported me. I just, I love them so much. It is the world. So Perez hasn't uh, commented anything <laughs> in, his, in his papers or anything about you yet, has he? <laughs> You know, he, he hasn't, we had a little dialogue after the event took place, but, uh, but you know, it, unfortunately, no, we haven't had any rematches, uh, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe in the future. It's a very, uh, rural versus city right there on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I know that a lot of your TikToks are, uh, very inspirational focused. Uh, you've got a lot of body positivity, uh, type of, uh, TikToks where you, uh, encourage people to be themselves. Um, 
what encouraged you to start doing that? And what kind of message would you like to send those people out there? Yeah, I mean, the body positivity stuff is, has been one of the most um, near and dear to my heart causes that I've, I've sort of talked about. And, you know, shockingly, it's been one of the one of the hardest subjects to speak on as far as like backlash goes. Um, you know, when I shared my story about like my eating disorder and about like, you know, the, the way that I've always had sort of this body dysmorphia, um, I got a lot of negativity from, you know, from some individuals in the plus size community. And I, I try to use those instances and circumstances to educate myself, you know, as much as I could. Um, but if, if I could give, you know, just one little bit of advice for people who are struggling with their bodies, because I can promise you, if you are listening to this, there is a very, very great likelihood that you probably have struggled or are struggling with the way that you look right now. That's just sort of the nature of the beast. Um, if there's one thing I could say or give advice on, it is um, understand, okay, and hear me out on this, use your ears, understand that the person that you are is not dependent on the way that your stomach or your thighs or your chest or your back looks. It is not. Uh, you can bring your personality, you can bring your charm, you can bring your knowledge, you can bring your kindness, um, and all of those things are of equal, if not greater value than your aesthetic appearance. So if I can encourage you on anything, you may be struggling with your body and it may not be exactly where you want it to be, but just remember, you have a lot of other attributes that you can use uh, to, uh, to make a presence and make yourself uh, you know, seen. So I hope that that gives someone a little bit of a, a kick in the rump to stop, uh, you know, hurting themselves or, or damaging themselves mentally because of the way that they look. It's not as important as we think it is. Right. Now I will say this because I think a lot of times whenever a fit person uh, comments on body positivity, they get this backlash of, well, you say that because you look so pretty. Um, I'm sure you've probably gotten that experience yourself, but, and that's yep. why I really, I would like for you to talk more on your, your kind of transformation there. Like, um, you know, what was it like? I know you've gone through, uh, an eating disorder, um, yeah. getting past that and, and coming to love your body and then becoming the person you are now. Like, how did you help yourself through that journey? Yeah. I think the first thing to say is, is that it is important to recognize that in my opinion, an eating disorder truly never goes away. Um, it is, it is always sort of in the back of your mind and, 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 uh, you know, as far as the transformation goes growing up, you know, and you know this cause you grew up here in the South, you know, when you grow up in the South and you've got good country cooking left and right, I mean, you've got memos, gravy and biscuits and you've got, you know, mama's meatloaf and you got, you know, this, Burgers and fries on There's every. There's not you know, a pound of butter point. in it. It ain't. It ain't cooking. You know. <laughs> exactly, and you're. You know, you're getting. You're eating dessert with every meal. It, it, it is one of those things where you know, as growing up here, you, you just get fed a lot, and you get fed good food, and and unfortunately, um, from an early age, I, I gained weight really rapidly, and uh, and so I was really heavy uh, as a kid. I mean, I was, I was a chunky boy. I was a. I was a chunkster. Um, I had to and, wear husky so, pants, so I, I feel you on that. You know, you had them stretchable, yeah, wearing let those me, to school. <laughs> let me one-up you just a little bit. I had my husky pants, and my, my mamaw, she would take the husky pants, and when I would get 
too big for them, she would cut down the side. And so there'd be this little kind of tear on the side on each side. That's and awesome. so they would, they would still fit. Um, but you know, I gained, I gained weight really rapidly as a kid. And, uh, and so when I got sort of to that cognitive age of like, Hey, I don't want to look bad. Um, and I, I, I'm embarrassed by these things that people make fun of me for. And, you know, and I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I want to be athletic. Um, that's when I kind of started the transformation. Um, so in the beginning, and it was really about, I'd say probably age 15, right after I came out and I was actually, um, on my way to living on my own when I was 16. Um, so right before I moved in basically just my, on, on my own two feet, um, I started going to the gym. I would run every day and I, I started eating super clean. Uh, and it was super healthy in the beginning and it was, it was awesome. And I was killing it and I was losing weight and I was looking, you know, looking in the mirror and just seeing pounds drop. And I was like, yeah. And then I, uh, fell into this really, really, really deep depression. And I'm, I, I was essentially living alone at the time. I had no money. Um, I had no internet service, no TV provider, um, obviously like no car, no job. So I was literally in this like box room for days on end. Um, where I would open my phone and read like PDFs that I had like saved. And that's all I would do all day. It was a very strange time. Um, and so because of that, it sort of spiraled into this like, you know, negligence on food. And that's where um, I, I developed anorexia. And from there, I then met my partner, the long-term partner. I, you know, I started putting on that, that happy weight where you, you know, that love weight where you Relationship fall in love and weight. you start, yep. <laughs> yep. And you start, you start eating, you know, pizza and burgers and fries and you eat good again. And, uh, and so that then turned into from anorexia into binge eating. And so binge eating went right up the roof. I gained basically like all of the weight back. Um, of course, by that point I had grown a lot, so it wasn't as like noticeable, but it was still there. And, uh, and at that point I wasn't going to the gym. And finally, um, just about two years ago, two, three years ago, um, I started kind of getting back in the gym, getting back into a healthy fit, like kind of lifestyle, um, trying to regulate my food intake. And, and since that, you know, the last three years or so I have, you know, I've fallen into eating disorders and I've in it, mostly anorexia is the big thing I deal with. Um, and then it will fluctuate back over to binge eating and then back to anorexia and back to binge eating. And it's just this, it's this balance. And, and I finally think I've, I found a good balance with it. I'm on a pretty healthy diet right now where I have a good relationship with food. I'm not looking at my body as much as I'm looking at my plate, you know, of food that I'm, that I'm about to eat and saying, you know, is this giving me the nutrients that I need? Is this giving me what I need to survive? Is this bringing me joy? And that's been changing my mindset on my food has been the biggest thing to help me get over the eating disorder itself because my relationship with food was what was causing it in the first place. And it was just a really unhealthy thing, yeah. but we're good now. We're, we're doing better. That's great. And it's, it's an amazing journey already that you've been on. And I think that's one thing, uh, as far as being in the LGBTQ community, uh, we are very body conscious. Uh, we definitely, uh, exert ourselves a little more than we should a lot of times. And, and we, uh, idolize the perfect bodies. And I think that honestly, it comes a lot from like that same sex attraction. Like we want to be like what we're attracted to. Um, yeah. but that's not, you know, we all have to love our bodies and, and do that for ourselves. You know, self-love is most important. Um, let's Absolutely. talk. Amen. 
Let's uh, switch over and talk about a comedic story in your life. What is uh, along the rainbow trail, as I like to call it, uh, what has been kind of the most comedic thing that's happened to you in the LGBTQ community? You know, that, that is a hard question. And I, and, and I would say um, not to keep it on the subject of TikTok, but I am going to keep it on the subject of TikTok for a second. Um, so I would say that the funniest thing that has came from uh, just the gay, the gay world, right, is that when I made the video, the original video um, that kind of launched the TikTok, you know, thing, there were so many duets. I mean, there were literally probably thousands, maybe I'd say at least three or 4,000 duets or stitches. Um, and if you don't know what that is, for those of you listeners who don't know what that is, it's where someone takes your video and then they react to it or they make a joke about it, or they, you know, they just use that video and then they talk about it. Um, but there were so many of people being just so harsh or so, so mean or so rude. And so my motto when it first happened was, you know what, I'm going to, I am going to smother these people with kindness. I'm going to just flood them with kindness. I'm going to leave them a positive comment. I'm going to tell them that I hope that they're having a beautiful day and that, you know, and that, 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 that I hope that they find peace and all that good stuff. And the amount of of redneck, straight white men <laughs> that have befriended me since I left them that comment and said, you know what, I'm sorry. I, you know, I apologize for making those jokes. I, I shouldn't have said that, or I should have thought better about this. And who have, who are literally still to this day, I see them on TikTok all the time and I'll leave them a comment here, there, and, and they'll make, you know, I see them making more videos now that are like, uh, you know, a little bit more open-minded. And, and so, I think it's those small changes like that that has been like the most hilarious experience, like seeing some of these rednecks just absolutely like not know how to deal with someone from our community, just treating them with like kindness, even after they were mean or after they were mean spirited. Um, and that's not to say that we should be nice to people who are vicious or mean or venomous, but I think that uh, you do attract a lot more flies with honey than something, something, something. I don't know how that saying goes, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, we do a segment on this show called the do's and don'ts. Um, did you pick a topic for this segment? I did. I did. And I figured I might as well go on brand and just go TikTok do's and don'ts. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear them. Let's give three do's and three don'ts about TikTok. Absolutely. So let's start with three do's. Uh, number one, if you plan on being a creator, I have got to em emphasize the importance of lighting. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be something fancy. You can go to the five below and get you a nice little ring light, set you up uh, in front of a window here, just open some natural lighting up and uh, make sure that your videos are well lit. That's a big, important thing. Number two, do, um, make sure that you're being authentic. Okay. People respect and, and understand authenticity so much more than they respect and understand someone who is very clearly putting on an act uh, or, or putting on a face or a character just for the sake of being or fitting into a certain mold. Um, and finally, the last uh, number three is have a good time doing it. Um, if you make videos and you've tried making videos and you feel nervous and you feel jittery and you try to make them perfect, at the end of the day, you're going to be dissatisfied every time because no video is ever going to be perfect. But if you're having a good time with it and whether it's a dance or whether you're making a commentary or a cooking video, whatever the case is, as long as you are having a good time doing it, your viewers are going to see that 
and they're going to respond to that a thousand times better than if you are trying to be perfect and clinical and scripted. So uh, those are my three do's. So three don'ts for y'all. Um, number one is I would say, don't be a, a, a copycat. Now, it's very, very, very normal for people to go on TikTok and, you know, do a trend or do this and, you know, and, and, and sort of copy whatever's popular at the time, but never steal from someone's content. You know, put your own twist on it. Take an idea and make it yours and make it unique and make it fun. Um, so don't be a copycat. Nobody likes a copycat. Number two is don't be hateful or mean-spirited in your videos. Um, I think a lot of people sometimes can sort of play that card out until there are no cards left. And all that you see at the end of the day is a very mean-hearted person. And, uh, you know, whenever your platform is built on, whether it's making fun of people's looks or making fun of the, making fun of people in, in any sense, um, there's only so many times that you can make the same mean joke before people just start thinking you're mean. Um, and then finally, number three is I would say, um, don't allow yourself to become inconsistent. Okay. You got to remain consistent at all times. So don't let yourself get lazy. If it's genuinely something you want to do as a passion of yours, don't let, don't let yourself slip up on that. You got to keep yourself motivated, keep yourself going, keep yourself making videos, making consistent content, and don't let yourself get lazy. Yeah. On that note, one of our previous TikTok uh, people, their advice was do it every single day um, or they get into these like ruts. Do you find yourself doing the same thing? Yes, absolutely. Um, I do, I do make a video almost every single day. Uh, occasionally if I, if I can't get to it, you know, I will, I will let one day slide, but I try to make at least one video a day. Um, even if it's a simple, easy video, you know, it's just keeping yourself consistent and holding yourself accountable to that. It is very, very important. So consistency on social media is absolutely the key to it. Yeah. I think all of those are, are great things for any type of social media influencer out there. Um, one of the big things we always comment on is I think in order to bring visibility to rural areas, we have to teach people how to do these things. Um, a lot of your LGBTQ kids like us, we grew up poor, <laughs> you know, like, um, mm -hmm. and then we started out poor uh, you know, we didn't have access to a lot of the media and, and things to make a lot of these type of type of content. Um, so I think that's really important that we get some access out there and teach people how to do that. So thank you for that. What, what do you think? If you, if you had a guess and say one do, what would you say? What would you, what would you recommend? As far as TikTok? Well, we, we are just now starting our TikTok, So, uh, I have Ooh. not experienced it yet and I'm terrified of it because I'm not in my early twenties. So <laughs> I think that's, uh, uh, as far as just social media in general, though, like for us, it's. I agree with you entirely on uh, nothing's ever going to be perfect. And uh, how many times have you, because I know I do this, how many times have you thrown your phone across the room because it, you know, or, or thrown your mic or, you know, we've actually just got a listener question. Um, where did the mullet come from? Why are we starting that? What's the trend? Uh, they want the juice on the mullet. So... <laughs> Well, they want the juice on the mullet. Let me be honest. Now, this is a moment of vulnerability and actually something I'm very insecure about. So if you ever see this in a video, y'all better be nice to me and, and treat me good. So I'm going to take my hat off for just a second. I'm going to show you something. Now, the back of my hair right here, you see this little mullet coming in. She's nice and pretty right now. Um, I have a very flat skull. The back of my head is very flat. It's something I'm very insecure about. 
And so for a lot of years, I had my hair buzzed down real short in the back and I've tried to figure out ways to make it look less flat and look a little bit more, got a little bit more of a curve to it. And finally I said, you know what? I'm going to grow a damn mullet and this thing is going to be so thick and full that you'll never know I have a flat head. And sure enough, it is full and thick and I feel like it makes the back of my head look nice and shapely. And, and that's where the mullet came from. And I think it's here to stay for a while. I got to admit, I like the mullet quite a bit. Now that everybody knows the uh, juice behind the mullet. So yeah. your uh, brand, Tate, is very much uh, country related. And I think kind of going back, you know, you have this uh, appearance that, you know, you're this country gay person. And uh, that kind of brings about this conversation of like, they're not all these city folk that walk around in, you know, feminine uh, attire and, uh, how has that experience been for you in terms of even from like the feminine community looking at, at, in at you? Yeah. I mean, man, it has been one of the most surreal experiences because, you know, whenever you hit this very specific um, personality type, people expect X, Y, Z from you because we, we, you know, we, we so badly want to put people into a box or put people into a trope or a stereotype and the real, the reality of the situation is that we are all um, very much on this huge sliding scale that just goes from here to here to here to here. And you know, you may be uh, left wing, and and you may support certain things that are right wing. You may be gay, but you you act certain ways that are perceived as masculine or straight. Um, and the the list goes on and on and on. And I think the the shocker for people is that, you know, I'm, I, I am country and I was raised, you know, country and I was raised in the holler and I'm, I am a, a Southern person. Um, but I identify and I relate and I empathize so deeply with the struggle of individuals and folks that don't typically get the empathy from the Southern, you know, from, from the Southern population. And, and, and I can understand that. Um, so I think for feminine folks or for, for, especially for feminine guys in the LGBT community, um, there's always this moment of hesitation where they think, oh, this, this guy's country and gay, I'm about to get hate crime. You right. know, it's, it's one of those, I'm about to get, he's a know, hardcore Republican, you know, <laughs> that's where you're going to go. <laughs> exactly. And then on the, on the flip side, you know, you, you, you interact with the hardcore Republican, you know, mm -hmm. Um, stereotypically masculine gay men um, who are very much, you know, can, can be toxic and, and can be a problematic at times. And they expect you to sort of lean into those concepts and ideas mm -hmm. in the same way that, you know, the feminine group expects you to act. And so it's this weird, like sort of just always educating people, all, always using your, your voice to say, Hey, no, I understand why you think that or why you perceive me as this, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm not that person or I am that person or I am going to be this person. And so it is this push and pull, this yin yang that seems to never, it, it never is just a, uh, it, it's never straightforward. It's never black and white. And it, it, it's always a push and a pull. And so navigating that has been a little strange, but we're working on it. We're doing better. We're getting, we're getting better at it. So I think one thing our listeners will, will want to learn is, so if they see your before and afters, uh, your, your pictures from whenever you were in your teens, uh, you are two different people and you have changed a lot since then. 
Uh, yeah. I think a lot of people will automatically seeing those two photos think, oh, he's doing this persona. It's a fake. It's a cartoon character. Is this your real life? Are you this country in real life or do you play it up some on TikTok? You know, that is a good question. And it's, it is fair. You know, I think people, people always wanting to kind of know the, what's behind the scenes or they want to know what's behind the, what's behind the video camera or whatever the case is. And, and to be completely honest with you, I think that there are times where, yes, it, it is um, an upplayed characterization of myself, but I think that there are, you know, there are qualities and there are values and there are legitimate things. I, that you know, I, you know, I am not a cowboy. I am not a cowboy. And I know that that's kind of <laughs> like the TikTok thing is like, he's a cowboy. I'm not a cowboy, but I, I'm not afraid to tell people that, you know, it, it, I think that part in a, in a way is a character. But, you know, in the same way, I'm very open when I when I am feeling my uh, per proverbial oats, if you will, <laughs> when I am feeling very feminine, and I am feeling very fun and and whatever the case is, you know, I, I put that on display just as much. Um, you know, if you do watch things other than just my TikTok, like my, my, my Twitch channel or my Instagram lives or my, my TikTok lives, the, those things, you know, you do see different sides of me and, and those are not things that I try to hide or suppress. It is just a part of, you know, this is me sometimes and sometimes it's not. And, you know, and, and yes, I do put it on for TikTok occasionally, but at the end of the day, they are real things that I enjoy and value and, and perceive myself as. And, and there's a comforting part about that. So um, I know that's probably a little wishy-washy answer, but yeah, it is a character sometimes and sometimes it's not. I think it's a great answer. And, and that's something we uh, tell a lot of people on our show too. You know, it's, if you see me out, I'm not always going to be in a, a country outfit or, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, we started this show basically to bring about visibility uh, to LGBTQ rural folks. And so, yeah, you're going to play that up a bit at times. And I think that's uh, it helps bring about that visibility, you know, like it's OK to be country and to over uh, amplify that fact. You know, I think that's important. Uh, yeah. So with that, uh, you're navigating so many social media channels at this point. I think you've got six, seven, however many. Uh, what is that like? Do you do all of this on your own or do you have people that help you? That sort of thing. So I do. I have a little circle of people who have been there from basically day one and they've been a huge part. Uh, I'll give a little, a little shout out to my Discord family. Um, Jay, Eric, Lorenzo, Tyler, Zach, um, Holden, these folks, I'm just naming off here, are just some of the people who are very near and dear to me. Um, but I will say that it has gotten to the point where, you know, I, I don't have a management team. I don't have a person that, you know, sends me ideas or video ideas or something that I need to do, you know, every day or a, a product that should, I should be sponsored by, whatever the case is. So it is a lot of like my, myself and putting things together myself. I mean, I set up my company, my LLC, I set up my bank account, I set up you know, the, the clothing brand that I'm coming out with, like I'm getting all these things in a row. And it, it is something that I have to go out on my, you know, when I'm off on a Saturday, Sunday, or whenever I get off work at, you know, whatever time, but I did thankfully praise the Lord. I just put in my two week notice about a week ago. So I have about one more week of my full-time job and then I'm officially stepping away and social media will be my full-time thing and I'm going to just run with it and I'm going to get what I can while I can and make it as, as long lasting as I can make it. And it's going to be a good time. I'm excited about yeah. it. Well, congratulations on uh, finally getting to put in that two weeks. How Thank scared you. are you right now? Uh, 
having left your job for this full-time social media gig? It is terrifying. And coming back to what I said earlier about, you know, how sometimes TikTok can be a little unfair with the way that they remove videos. Um, that part is scary. And it is genuinely like one of those things where you take a minute and you say, did I do the right thing? Am I, mm -hmm. am I going to be able to make it? And, and at the end of the day, I know that, you know, no matter what happens with TikTok, I have garnered such an amazing, supportive collection of people. Um, we call them the tater skins. If you're a tater skin, you know, um, uh, that, that, that follow me on Instagram and Twitter and, and Twitch and all this other stuff that if, if TikTok went away tomorrow, I know I would find another way or I would, I would go another direction and, and I would just go to plan B and plan C and plan D, whatever I needed to do to make it work. And it, it, that's the, that's the mentality I'm taking into this job, you know, just going to make it work. Have you had any experiences dealing with uh, cancel culture, uh, anything like that at this point? Um, you know, I have been very fortunate um, that I have not dealt with anything too severe. I've had a couple things like, for example, the uh, when I talked about my body image that that got me a little bit of backlash. Um, I've had a couple moments where I've I've misgendered people and then we're, you know, I was educated shortly after. And and there have been little little slip ups. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where and, and this is a, a moment of real vulnerability that, you know, when I was younger, whenever I was, you know, whenever I was younger, I, there were a lot of things that I did and said and texted and, and joked about that were incredibly problematic. They were incredibly harmful. They were incredibly toxic and uneducated and and, and ignorant. And uh, and, you know, I think if that day ever comes that those old messages and old pictures and old videos ever hit surface level or whatever the case might be, um, that I will have given my people, the people who do follow me and know me enough of a, of a, of a background that they can understand that that is a person that existed a long time ago and I've learned and I've grown and I will always use my platform to correct that behavior and to, uh, and to do as much as I can to, to give light on some of those issues. We do a segment uh, called the pot of gold. Uh, that, oh. that is where you get to ask me one question of your choosing. Uh, it can be on any topic and I get to ask you one final question uh, on any topic. Uh, so I'm going to make you start that because I want to know how bad to be in my question to you. <laughs> All right. Now, this is my go-to question. Um, it's my philosophical question. I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to analyze this answer, but I am going to analyze it and judge you based on this answer. So if you could remove one color from the existence of the world. So at this point, you know, we have red, green, blue, yellow, and we all know what those look like. If you could remove one color indefinitely, and it's all gray for everybody, what color would you take away? Mm. You're going you're gonna to get me in trouble with that question, because if I take mm -hmm. away any color of the rainbow, I'm going to get like penalized. <laughs> so I'm going to go with like hot pink. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Hot pink. I'm going to take that away because <laughs> it's just too much for me. But <laughs> Listen, I get it. Now I'm going to say you're, you're going to be uh taking away a few good sunset pictures, but that's okay. Uh, I think that's about all you lose with hot pink, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, you can edit them. You can add a little more orange <laughs> or, you know, a little, little brightness to the, to the photo. So <laughs> little Photoshop, never heard anything. I agree. Definitely not taking any, uh, Roy G. Biv away though. I'd, I'd get so many hate <laughs> comments for that. So, 
<laughs> I understand that. I understand that. All right. Well, your question, I'm going to be a lot tougher on you than that. <laughs> so, okay. All right. I got you. Okay. I'm going to ask the questions everybody uh, probably really want to know. Uh, All right. And mine's a dual part question. Because I, I, I know you get asked this question a billion times, and uh, as any social media influencer should do, completely ignore it. Um, one is how many people on a daily slide into your DMs? And the second part of that is what everybody wants to know is when, are, when is the OnlyFans coming out? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think to answer the first part of the question, um, it, it a lot, and I don't <laughs> say that in a way that I hope comes across as like as cocky or or self conceited or anything like that. But there there are a lot of DMs that come through my inbox, and you know, I do really try to get back to people, um, especially when it's people who are genuinely reaching out to to give their thanks for either I made made their day better or whatever the case might be. Now I can't always do that because there are a lot of messages right. in my inbox in the mornings uh, when I wake up or, or in my texts or this or that. So if anyone's listening out there and you've ever sent me a dang text message or an Instagram DM or a Twitter message, and I've not gotten back to you, sweetheart, I'm sorry. I apologize. It's not because I didn't, I couldn't read it. It's because I was just at a time. I'm sorry, but I get, I get that because he doesn't even get back to me <laughs> half the time. And like, I'm having to produce this show and I'm like, Tate, I need you to text me back. Like, so. I know. I'm, so, <laughs> sorry. I'm so bad. I've listened this two week notice though. It's going to free up some time and I'll be, I'll be able to work through some of these DMS that I get. Definitely. Uh, and then the, the other part of the answer is, is, you know, when, when is the only fans going to, when are we going to do, when are we going to say, you know what? Let's let's just say forget it. I will say um, I, I, I've thought about it very extensively, and I'm going to answer the question earnestly. Um, I have a clothing brand coming out. Um, it is what I believe to be a very good brand. It is a very good identity, um, and and I have a, a lot of faith in it, and I have a lot of of manifestation that I put into it at this point. Um, if that brand, for whatever reason, doesn't doesn't do well or doesn't get me where I want to go, and 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 there's no you know, there's no backup from there. I think an OnlyFans account would be uh, would be totally something that I would be willing to do. I think at this point, I've shown quite a lot of myself, and I'm not I'm not shy about you know one bit. I'm not a bashful man, but um, I, I want to keep you know I want to keep as many opportunities open as possible. And the unfortunate reality is that you know when creators do go to OnlyFans, it does shut down some avenues, and and that's sad and unfortunate because these people are are working very hard. But um, it but yeah, also raises some it. revenue. I mean, there's there's it, sides to that. So it does. It raises <laughs> some revenue. I think I, I think if I if I had, I probably would have put my two week notice in quite a long time ago. <laughs> but, you know, at the moment, we're just we're sticking we're sticking to our guns. And uh, and, and, you know, the Twitter content is totally free. You know, it, it is something that I think is is close. It's very close. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think I think if if the brand doesn't work out. I, I could definitely see myself going down an avenue that, um, you know, it, it is fun and it is fun to take fun pictures and it is fun to like, um, have those, those moments and those, those times. So yeah, that, I hope that answers that question for you. That's great. Uh, I know you are one of the influencers that, that your social medias are not all the same, uh, link. Uh, so like you're at Tate Hoskins on some things and, and various, you know, you've got one of them common names, oddly <laughs> enough. So, uh, with that, shout out all your different socials so that uh, people know where to follow you on here. 
Absolutely. Uh, one thing I will say is that if you follow me on any social media account, um, you will see a link tree in my bio of whatever account that is. That link tree does have a link to each different social media uh, platform. But my Instagram is tate.rich. So that's the one very obscure one. My Twitter is real Tate Hoskins and my TikTok is at Tate Hoskins and my Twitch stream is at Tate Hoskins. And recently my cameo is under Tate Hoskins as well. So if you guys are interested in any of that, um, you can definitely look at my link tree and it's all in there. Uh, nice and nice and uh, available for you. And just so everybody out there knows, he's got some secret accounts that you can uh, try to <laughs> try to locate out there. Uh, we won't get into that, but but good luck on your searching out there. <laughs> oh, the world may never know. Yeah, we're also uh, for those of you listening, we'll have his link in our uh, flow page uh, for all of his link trees and various ways to follow him over the course of this next week uh, with Kentuckiana Pride. Uh, if you just scan that code, you'll be able to find him on there as well. What uh, final advice would you give to LGBTQ youth out there in rural areas specifically? Uh, on how to survive and uh, grow in gay culture? Absolutely. Um, this question is probably nearest and dearest to my heart above everything else. Um, and that is um, you, you have to approach people that are around you in your area, in your, in your environment, in your school, at your workplace, um, even in your family. You have to approach them with kindness and understanding and empathy because they will never ever respond to you. They will never be able to understand the person that you are or where you come from. If you treat them like they're an idiot, if you treat them poorly, if you're mean to them or screaming at them or, or um, you know, loud and aggressive, um, all of those things will immediately make them more um, closed-minded or more harmful to you and to the, to the community. So. I'm not saying to go out and, and give every person who's homophobic a hug, but I would say that, you know, taking a minute to sit down with maybe it's a classmate or maybe it's your brother. Maybe your brother doesn't understand, you know, taking a minute and sit down and say, hey, look, what is it that you don't get about me or about the LGBT community? And, and listen and hear them out and just say, listen, I know you think this, but it's not always the case. It's not how it is. We're all different. Everybody's different. And just. Be patient and be kind and treat everybody with kindness. You get so much more done when you approach something with a positive and kind attitude. So that's my biggest tip is just be a nice person, be a kind person. And I would say that has saved me on many occasions. Um, and I've had a very good um, experience being kind to people. Um, and now sometimes you can't always be kind and you got to be a little bit louder and maybe sometimes walk away from a situation, but that's okay too. Uh, kindness is the key to that. Well, we appreciate all the advice you've given to our rural youth out there. Um, it's, it's great to have people from various uh, walks of life, especially all these social media influencers. Uh, it's a new world. I mean, compared to uh, what a lot of LGBTQ people uh, grew up in. So it's bringing about a lot of visibility and we appreciate all the things that you're doing out there for our community. Uh, so thank you for being on the show today. Absolutely. This has been my pleasure and, and I'm so excited and, and so thankful and grateful for y'all to have me on here and to uh, bring me into this uh, really amazing experience. So thank you from the bottom of my heart to you and to the team behind it and, and everyone involved. Just thank y'all so much for being kind and, and very, very generous with the love. I appreciate it so much.
In this episode of Weathering Rainbows, we've talked a lot about body positivity. And without a doubt, developing a positive body image is a huge step on the path of building a healthier relationship with yourself. However, it's certainly one of those things that's a lot easier said than done, right? So for today's Sunset Clarity segment, I'd like to leave you with four quick tips for developing a more positive view of yourself. Number one, I want you to start using body positive affirmations. Whether you say them out loud or whether you write them in a prominent spot, like the mirror on your bathroom cabinet, those affirmations can have a very positive impact on not just your own body image, but your overall mood. Number two, I want you to accept compliments. Now, even I struggle with this one. Uh, So many of us, we reflexively deny or brush off positive comments from other people. However, if you start accepting those compliments, you'll start believing them because more than likely, they're true. Okay? Number three, expose yourself to body positive messaging. And you can do this in a couple of different ways. One, surround yourself with friends that make you feel good about yourself. That's, that's the best way to start feeling good about your body is to surround yourself with friends that are supportive. The second way is you could also... Follow social media accounts uh, from body positive influencers out there, such as Tate, who consistently post about accepting your body the way it is and loving your body uh, in, in the shape that it is as well. Number four, I want you to focus on things that you like about yourself. These can be physical, or you can even dig deeper, okay? Each morning, try to identify two to three things that are positive qualities about yourself That way, when the negative thoughts start creeping in throughout the day, you can easily just kick them out because they're not true. Now, this definitely isn't an all-exhaustive list of ways that you can build a better body-positive relationship, uh, but it is my hope that starting with these four simple actions can help you with the most difficult step on that journey, and that's simply getting started. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. Don't forget to come on back now. I know we all love a little vibration, so if you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. And we will surprise you on occasion with a new release vibration in your pocket. But in the meantime, if you find yourself alone or crossing new horizons along the rainbow trail and you need a friend or even a laugh, to get you through those dark and stormy nights. Holler on out to us at www.weatheringrainbows.com where you can find shelter in the blogs, videos, and other episodes that will hopefully keep you out of a whole heap of trouble. So until next time, y'all, giddy up, be true to yourself, and make the best of life. And wherever the wild tracks may lead you, may the rainbow Always touch your shoulder.